The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks, episode number 24. Today is Tuesday, November 22nd. As always, my name's Bill. Very special episode today. I was joined by professional MMA fighter and all-around badass Colleen Thoroughbred Snyder. She was nice enough to call in even though she just started a fight camp. She's going to be fighting for Bellator. She just signed with them, so she's got a fight coming up in January. So I'll pick up pretty much into the conversation because we just got on the phone and started shooting the shit. So it's kind of mid-sentence. She calls me out on drinking immediately. It's like we've known each other forever. So it was a great conversation. She talks about fighting all over the world. She talks about getting her degree in Taekwondo. We talk some booze, of course. She tells me about the animals and livestock she has in her home. And it was a great time. I really enjoyed talking to Colleen. So all that being said, I'll shut up now and let's just get into the interview. Let's go. Are you drinking now? Uh, I am. Because I... <laughs> it's, it's afternoon for you, so that wouldn't be as ridiculous as if I was drinking at the moment. Yeah, right? So I guess you're not. <laughs> no, well, no the... I'm making breakfast. Oh, well, the show doesn't really work then. you got to pour yourself a drink. Yeah, except <laughs> for the whole fight camp thing. Oh, yeah. Are you in camp now? Yeah. Okay. So congratulations on the deal with Bellator. That's awesome news. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to be fighting for them. I was actually just up at their uh, show in San Jose this past weekend. Yeah, I saw that. I was watching the, the show, too. It was awesome. I was I had uh, the UFC fight night on on my laptop and the Bellator <laughs> on TV, and I wound, up, I, I wound up muting the UFC and watching the Bellator. I thought the card was way better. But what do you think about Bellator, the organization, and their production and everything like that? I like it a lot. It reminds me more of a bit more of kind of the older days of MMA where things were a, a bigger show and a big, bigger deal. And we'll do more to, I feel, to promote the fighters and let their persona shine, you know, kind yeah. of let people be interesting characters. So I think Belter shows are always a lot of fun. I've always really enjoyed watching them. Yeah, definitely. And as a fan, I used to watch Bellator just for the matchups they were putting on, but I really feel like they're building a solid roster now. So you're you're coming in there fighting at 125, and you had been a bantamweight for most of your career. Was that your decision, or was that because they just don't really have a bantamweight roster right now? It's because they don't have bantamweight. So it was either 125 or 145, and I, you know, I, I walk around normally around 145, so okay. I'm too small to fight as a featherweight. So I will, uh, I'll go back down to flyweight. Yeah, where wait, and you fought at flyweight before. You don't you don't seem like you have. A, a huge frame for bantamweight, so you weren't really cutting much weight, right? No, my cut my cut to bantam was always easy. Um, and when I cut to flyweight before, it was over in India, so I figured if I could do it off a 16-hour flight to India, then it'll be a hell of a lot easier to do when I'm in the States. Yeah, definitely. Now, you had a lot of fights in India. Were you, you weren't living there? You would fly out there every time? No, I flew every time. I fought for a super fight league over there um, three separate times, once in Chandigarh and twice in Mumbai. 
Okay. Cool. I was I was just rewatching one of your fights with uh, Sherry Buck. That was my first fight over there. Yeah, and it was actually the second women's professional fight in the country of India. Ever in the country of India? Yeah, it was kind of a trip. Like the um, the the people over there didn't know MMA, right? Mm-hmm. Super Fight League was introducing the sport to the Indian fan base, so. I'm doing all these interviews beforehand and people are asking me, they're going, so, so this isn't real, right? Like you, you guys aren't really going to hit each other <laughs> thinking it was like pro wrestling because they know pro wrestling and they know cricket, you know, yeah. like they definitely didn't know MMA. And they, what they did for the first few shows over there to attract an audience and bring them into it was combine the MMA fight with a big Bollywood show. So they would get these huge <laughs> Bollywood acts and do a whole Bollywood performance and then have the MMA fight. That's... So it was, it was it was really cool to be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And they had uh, Phil Baroni doing commentary, which was <laughs> kind of entertaining. <laughs> oh, it's super that. entertaining. But Phil's great. In that first fight too, there were people like blowing whistles or something in the crowd, like it like at a, at a soccer game. Was that distracting at all? Were you trying to fight? I don't even remember that happening. So clearly, it wasn't distracting. Oh, okay. So you can just. I, I super zone everything out. Like, I, I, I know what's going on in the cage, and I hear my coach, and nothing else exists for me. Okay. So didn't didn't affect you at all. So you, you fought all over the world. I mean, you fought Pancrase in Japan. Obviously, you fought in the United States. Uh, and, yeah, and I fought tr- in China. I fought in Mexico. Do you, have oh, a, God, do you have a favorite place to fight? Do you like fighting globally, or are you happy to be fighting closer to home? Um, I actually would love to fight in Japan again. Yeah. I absolutely love Japan. So, yeah, I'd like to go back. I really want to fight in Korea, too. Um, I trained over in Korea for a bit while I was doing Taekwondo in college, and I would, it would be awesome to fight there. So you got the Taekwondo right from the source. Right, yeah. I was training it at Berkeley in college, but then we would do um, trips to go over there and train, and they have uh, martial arts universities over there. Like, you can get your master's degree in taekwondo or you know things like that and they're completely legitimate degrees it's actually really cool so i went to a couple of these different um martial arts colleges and uh, and trained over there that's awesome we should definitely have that here maybe we would see more people pursuing college degrees yeah and it's the full you take the full breadth of courses you just major in martial arts yeah so you have to take like your gen eds and everything like that but then yeah, you're still taking math and science and, you know, literature and whatnot. Yeah. So can you give, like, excuses why, like, you didn't you didn't get your homework done on time for a gen ed class? Like, oh, I was getting beat up in my in my last class, or you show up late to class or something like that? <laughs> I, I, broke my, I broke my arm in Young Widow, so I couldn't uh, write my paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you see stuff like that? That's probably more of an American thing anyway. I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think that's a very Korean thing to do. But it's kind of cool you walk around this campus, you know, like this entire college is full of badasses. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Was it more of a calm environment or because there were so many people training you know, combat sports that it was like, you know, a bunch of alphas walking around. No, no, I think usually when you have a bunch of athletes together, everyone's pretty, yeah, pretty like level and calm. It's not like the, yeah, it was certainly a very like reasonable chill environment. And then when they trained, you know, they went hard and they trained hard, but otherwise they're just doing what you would do at college. Yeah. Probably the exact opposite of what I was doing in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say they're actually, I, I don't, well, no, they actually partied a good bit too. I went out, I went out with those guys a few times. So. Oh, I know that the Koreans can drink. They, that's definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a culture where they put them back. Oh my God. I've had so much soju in my day. Oh yeah. Do a lot of shoju bombs in college then. 
Yeah, and it's just I don't like soju. I don't think anyone actually likes soju. It's not. It doesn't taste good, but but that's what you drink. So. Yeah, I I actually enjoy it sometimes. I I had recently a really? a, a sweet potato uh, soju, and it was. It was actually really oh, that's nice. Like, that's like a fancy, a fancy soju. Oh, yeah. It's not what you get when you go out to the, like, when you go out to, like, Koreatown in Oakland and go to the bars, and they're just giving you bottles. Yeah. The best thing, too, is all the Korean restaurants down in Oakland, you could, they never carted, they, if one person was 21, they would give the entire table alcohol. Oh, that's So during cool. college, we would all just go, go to these Korean bars and everyone could drink. That's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The, the shoju you get when you're going to work, it, it's like uh, watered down paint thinner. <laughs> yep, <laughs> basically. So you're in fight camp now. Um, what I read on the internet, which is always a hundred percent accurate, is that everything, uh, <laughs> all of it, is that you're fighting in January on the card headlined by Chael Sonnen and Tito Ortiz. Is that correct? Right, it is at the Forum in Los Angeles. Though I do not have an opponent yet. Okay. Now I was just I was just looking over Bellator's website and I was looking up and down the roster. They don't have you listed yet, but there are ten flyweights on the roster. So, do you have any idea of the kind of competition that exists there? Or do you have any inkling to who an opponent might be? I mean, I know I certainly know who they have signed. I, you know, I watch all their fights, but um, sure. I don't know who they're going to have me fight. I don't even know if it'll be someone that's currently on their roster or if they'll bring in someone for the fight. You know? Yeah, it seems like. It seems like they're really expanding their roster a lot. Like I said, when I was looking on the website, they don't even have you up there yet. So I assume there are other people that are kind of waiting in the wings that they haven't officially listed yet that they might have under contract. So what do you think of, of 165? Like I said, I was watching on TV. I thought it was an awesome event. Uh, how did you score the main event there? I scored, I scored it for Chandler. I thought it was an amazing fight and, and really, really close. But going round by round on it, I did score it for Chandler. But uh Man, it was just a it was just a hell of a fight. That was one of those ones where you're like, Can you guys fight ten rounds? Can we do that? Can we yeah. just keep going? Well <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, and what was amazing is that Ben Henderson looked like he was still fresh in that fifth round. <laughs> and, yeah, he looked the best in the fifth round. Yeah. Of, you know, the whole fight. Because the first two rounds it looked like he wasn't quite there, you know? Yeah. Well, did, did you give Chandler ten eight in that first round? And how do you feel about ten eight scores? I think they should be used more. I yeah. think they're. I think they're used far too infrequently, and I also think ten ten should be used more. Like there's this, a ten nine is doesn't always have to be given. There's plenty of circumstances in which a fight, you know, a round was legitimately a draw, or when someone really just dominated, and it should be a ten eight. Yeah, definitely. I, I think they they definitely need to adjust the scorecards. There was a a fight. Uh, this weekend UFC was Ross Pearson and Stevie Ray. I don't know if you caught any of the UFC this weekend, but two of the judges gave it 30-27 to Stevie Ray, and one judge gave it 30-27 to Ross Pearson. So Really? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, usually it's like there's one round in question, and then that's where the split decision comes from. But to to have them be like two people saw one guy winning every round, and the other guy sees one guy winning every round, uh, that was a little crazy to me. That's where you kind of wonder if one of the judges was just checking off the wrong side of the scorecard. Yeah, like he just wasn't paying attention. He was on Twitter or something. Yeah, like did I really... you did you watch it? Uh, yeah. I I mean, like I said, I was trying to flip. I was trying to catch everything. There was so much this weekend. There was Invicta. Yeah. I mean, your alma mater there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> um... yep, I was trying to watch that as I was driving up the five to uh, <laughs> to the Bay Area from LA. I had. Fight pass on my phones and I'm like, I'm pulled my car. 
cruise control on trying to watch the fights. The reception was going in and out, so I was only able to catch parts of them. But that's that's awesome. MMA on the Rocks does not condone watching fight pass and driving. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no. At least I wasn't drinking while I was doing it. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, um, but it, it kind of worked. That. Actually, like there's no cars on the road, and it was it helped keep me alert. Yeah, for sure. And the phone was right there, basically next to the window. Yeah, so, yeah. it's just like watching the GPS. <laughs> it's not dangerous. Mhm. 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 Okay. So totally. Carrie Melendez, I thought, was one of the most impressive performances on the whole card. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that fight? Dude, amazing. So I used to train with Kerry when I first started fighting. I was scrap pack. Gilbert was my coach. Uh-huh. So I used to train with Kerry years ago. And, um, I mean, her striking was phenomenal then, and it's only gotten better. And she just looked – she just stalked her, was patient, like just – it was just beautiful. She did great. She was so calm and collected, and just when she threw that right hand, it was just brutal. She just dropped her. It was – I was yeah. so happy. It was, it was great. awesome. Like right when the fight started, I saw the way she throws that right straight is just so clean, and she gets so much extension on it. It's just yeah, flawless yeah. form. So you guys used to train together. You're no longer training together. You're in the same weight division in the same organization. Would you? Uh, turn... No, we're not. She's one. She's one fifteen. Oh, she is. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I think I saw somewhere they have her listed as a flyweight. Okay. I'm pretty sure she did that fight at one fifteen. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> Like, and then the, uh, the the Gertz and Piccolotto fight was nuts. Oh, my God, yeah. I felt like I, I wasn't that excited about that fight. This is when I actually muted the, the UFC and, and turned up the volume on Bellator during that fight. I was like, all right, the young undefeated kid, they're going to bring this guy in and, and hope he like submits him quick. That was a war. Mm-hmm. Both are so impressed with both of them. That was such a great fight. Just really well-rounded. They were just both trying to... You know, going for the kill with it. Yeah, that was a really great fight. So back and forth. It was impressive that he was able to take Gertz down. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were both, uh, yeah, they, both of those guys were super impressive in that fight. Yeah. The announcers were saying um, Gertz had never been taken down in, in Bellator, so I don't know if that was. Oh, really? See, that was yeah, I, didn't, I didn't get to hear any of the announcing because I was watching it from the arena, so I, don't, I didn't get to hear all the, yeah. the little backstories. Oh, well, you missed out. I mean, watching it there live couldn't compare to, you know, on a 27-inch <laughs> flat screen. On the couch, on the TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a much better vantage point. <laughs> so, um, you can't all be that lucky. How, how did you feel uh, when Fedor came out? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I freaked out. Is that I was a direct walking quote? up to get water, and I turned around. I was like, ah! <laughs> Fedor sweater! Holy shit! <laughs> the Fedor sweater. Yeah, that's become like an iconic thing. His for him trademark. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's kind of <laughs> strange, like Fedor and like a Bill Cosby sweater. Yeah. <laughs> when it's <laughs> that's why it's awesome. It's so random. Yeah, and then so when they brought out Matt Mitrione, you weren't you went to you went to go get a water, so you didn't have any kind of idea that maybe they were going to bring out Fedor and make that announcement because I don't, I don't know if you heard but the way they the way they pitched it was Matt Mitrione came out and he said they told me to sign a contract they wouldn't tell me who my opponent is and then Fedor appears yeah I heard I so I heard them say that and then Fedor walked out um I don't, I don't know if any of that's true or not you know it might just be a story who knows but uh oh, i think sure. mitchell will be a tough fight for fedor i mean mitchell's really he's, he's a really good fighter and uh fedor's last fight it's kind of eh. oh man so, that, uh, that first round against fabio maldonado he knocked his brain out of his head it was amazing he was mm-hmm. able to come back though 
Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're both really tough guys, but um, yeah. I mean, Fedor has definitely got a tough fight out of San Dimitrio, but I'm really hoping I can go go back up there and see that. Yeah, definitely an interesting fight. I mean, I kind of doubt he he signed the contract without knowing an opponent. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a very intelligent guy, you know, despite the the meathead tag. But yeah, I think he knows what <laughs> I think he knows more or less what he's doing. <laughs> um, so so that's awesome. You're fighting in the same organization as Fedor. So Bellator's. Making... I know. <laughs> oh, I tweet I tweeted that right after it happened. <laughs> that was what I wrote. Oh yeah. I was like, this is the coolest night ever. I'm fighting in the same organization. And then I wrote because I absolutely I don't I don't know what the hell happened with Michael Venom Page, man. Like I, that guy. I watch oh. all his fights, study everything he does, like completely blown away by him. His talent's amazing. And then he just didn't, didn't fight. It was the weirdest thing yeah. I've ever seen. But, like could have killed the guy at any point in time, but just didn't. It was like, he was like, I want to do as little as I can and make this a non-fight. Like, what the, I don't know what the hell yeah, that I, was about. It was so strange. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me is hoping that he was just nursing an injury or something because, uh, you know, I'm the same way. I've been following this guy. I mean, what he did to Cyborg was just, unreal though yeah when he smashed his face in that was that was so brutal but i don't know if he just didn't want to get too close because he didn't want to get taken down but i mean he seems to have pretty good ground skills and he's no, able to scramble he has, and he actually has good wrestling good scrambling and and as good on the ground too like he has a good submission game i've never seen him fight in such a way that he was you know wouldn't engage because he was afraid of getting taken down down and this is certainly not the guy that would elicit that reaction from him yeah for sure. I don't know, like maybe somebody got in his head, like don't go to the ground with this guy or, or something like that. But I I, th- I, it must have been an injury. That's my theory that he, you know, he just couldn't pull the trigger on something, a bad back or I don't know, whatever the case. But I'll definitely watch him fight again. I wonder if him crushing Cyborg's skull affected him at all. Like he was afraid to do that level of damage again yeah right well do you ever feel like that when when you're in there with your opponents i mean you're putting some beatings on people uh is there any kind of guilt associated with that or is it just no, like another they train for it and they agree to it and they go into it but i've right. also never literally crushed someone's skull that's a whole yeah. other level you know true yeah so, i don't know if I, I don't know i don't know it was so strange okay the whole crowd was just booing like crazy yeah yeah, it was it was it was kind of it was kind of weird. Now, and I, and I kept saying I kept telling everybody the Bellator card was was way better than what the UFC had put on that weekend. You know, with the exception of that fight, because it was just it was just weird because you're just waiting for him to explode and it just it just never happens. It's like you light the fuse mm-hmm. on a firecracker and and then it it's a dud. But yeah, totally. Anyway, that's a good analogy for it. Uh, talking about the the mental side of the game. And I don't want to open up any old wounds here, but I, I want to bring this up for a reason. <laughs> now, you uh, you lost the first three fights in your career. And that would be enough to, to make a lot of people say, like, maybe this isn't for me, and they would throw in the towel. Fast forward a couple of years, you're fighting for the Invicta Bantamweight Championship. So what is it about you that kind of kept you going there was it people in your life that were motivating you was it a true belief in your skills walk me through the progression in your career there from how it started to the position you're in now fighting for one of the biggest organizations in the world yeah i mean there was never any point or during in the beginning where i thought oh maybe this isn't right for me maybe i shouldn't do it i knew i knew it was and i made some stupid choices like i went four rows an amateur and then I shouldn't have gone pro yet. I should have taken my time, you know, got my boxing better, got my ground game better. But I was 
I was just like, I got to do it. I got to go pro. And <laughs> took a tough fight and and lost. And then um, and then fought Liz Carmouche in strike force and lost the decision. Yeah, um, I've heard of her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's not like I was getting beat by chumps. Like, I lost sure. to some. And then I lost to Vanessa Mariscal, who was a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, who I think ended up submitting me in the third round. But I still, I, like, literally every time I was like, okay. So I fucked that up. I made these mistakes. Okay, I can make that better. I can fix this. I can come back and be a better fighter. And that doesn't mean I'm going to be the best. I'm never going to lose. But each time I will get better. Each time I will learn. And I, you know, I will, I will continue to grow. And I will be the best fighter that I can be. Definitely. And I feel like that's the attitude you have to have. And that's something I really admire about you. It seems like you come off a loss and you're just like, all right, time to go back to the drawing board and like see how I can become more of a badass. And <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. So definitely hats off to you. I mean, personally, I'd rather watch somebody like yourself than somebody who can blow through anybody in the competition and then they lose a fight. Their world is over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a very subtle reference. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was really bummed about in leaving Invicta was that I would actually really love to rematch Tanya. Okay. But now now I don't have that opportunity. Because I, yeah, I, want, I want to fight her again. Yeah, well, I mean... Anything could happen, right? It looks like you know Bellator is recruiting pretty heavily, and she's just coming yeah. Well, off. she's not. She's not gonna. She's not gonna go to one twenty five. No, yeah. She. She. No, did. no. Yeah, I can see that. No way. But I mean, that was an awesome fight. I thought. Thank you. Yeah, there were parts of it I was happy about, and then obviously, you know, disappointing. You do all that work, fight for the title, and then, and then lose. Nuts that she got armbarred the other night. In, how how long was that? Like in a minute? Uh, it was so crazy. Yeah, it was it was pretty quick. I think it was like in the second minute. She wasn't in there for too long. It's hard to make any predictions, especially with the women's MMA. Do you feel like we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg here in terms of talent? Do you feel like there's more and more women getting into it now that there's some eyes on it? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're at least five years behind where the men are in the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was only a few years ago that women were even first allowed to fight in the UFC. Yeah. So... So there's just going to be, there'll be more women getting into it now that'll come up in the sport. And then, you know, in another five years, you're like, holy shit, look at all these women that are fucking ballers and just really amazing athletes. And there's enough that, you know, you have these big full divisions of people that are able to do that. So it's growing, it's getting there. Yeah, for sure. I think I think we're definitely seeing that in the UFC. We saw one person who was basically dominating everybody. And now this title is pretty much up in the air. Yeah. You can't really see like anybody consistently holding it and and getting the getting a chokehold on this division, so to say. How do you kind of see that playing out with the with the fight between Ronda and Amanda Nunez coming up? I mean, Ronda on the top of her game destroys Nunez, but it, I don't I don't know what Ronda is going to show up. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the question because it, Amanda kind of has that style that plays into Ronda, where she rushes forward and. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's when Ronda fights her best. You know, she does worst against a counterfighter. So, yeah, I agree with you. It depends, like, who shows up there. So you were... Yeah, this is absolutely Ronda's fight to win or lose. Yeah, and it's kind of eerie that she's been kind of quiet, especially for her. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, know, I mean, I understand her wanting to take some time off and step away from everything, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. So you were slated to compete at, at EBI 9. That kind of didn't come together. What, what happened there, and and how did you end up getting involved in that? 
Um, well, it didn't happen because of the timing with the with Bellator. Oh, okay. I'm going to them in January. So, that, unfortunately, that was why. I was actually had a great camp for EBI and was super excited to do it. But um, the way it happened is they wanted Lynn Vong to compete because she's a you know, test planet girl, one of these grapplers. Mm-hmm. And they had hit up um, one of my friends. I think they were asking maybe Marina Shafir to do it or Jessamyn Duke is the one that hit me up and was like, hey, they're looking for someone to, to grapple Lynn. And I was like, hell yeah, of course I'll do it. <laughs> of course. So EBI yeah. considered... I guess a jiu-jitsu competition, and you don't particularly train jiu-jitsu. Is that correct? Oh, I train grappling. Right. I don't consider it. I, I don't train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, no. Sure. So submission grappling, catch wrestling, yeah. is that, that's really what you consider? I mean, to, to, some, to some extent, it's just semantics, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, oh, yeah, I do submission grappling. Yeah, I mean, you grab somebody and you choke them and you win, and that's yeah. That's whatever, it... whatever works within the rule set that I'm competing under is what I'll do. Yeah, sure. What do you think about that rule set with EBI? It's interesting. Um, I I like that everything's legal. I mm-hmm. absolutely hate IBJJF rules. That's why I don't do IBJJF tournaments. Make sure. the stupid hour strict as the rule set is. <laughs> so I like that EBI allows everything. I think to some, you do get some people who will stall just try and get to overtime because they're good at the overtime positions. So yeah. that's one downfall of it. But I like that Eddie's kind of like thinking outside the box with it and trying these things out. And I think it's a positive step forward. Yeah, definitely. It would be great to see, you know, a uniform set of rules. And it's definitely more exciting, especially with some of the other rule sets where you see most of the fights go to a draw. And it's like, well, you can't, even if one guy or a girl is dominant throughout the whole match, you know, it's, it could still end in a draw. It's always kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit yeah absolutely people want to see a winner they want they want to have someone's hand raised at the end of the match yeah so the ebi rules do that definitely so when you and i first met it was actually in the duty-free section of the tokyo (laughs) airport (laughs) now anybody who listens to this show wouldn't be surprised that i was in a liquor store but um <laughs> what's uh what do you typically enjoy sipping what on? was i uh, doing in the liquor store <laughs> yeah i mean um, a I professional think, fighter I might think be josh a... and i at the time josh and i were looking for some uh some nika because it was super hard to find good japanese whiskey while we were over there i guess it was being being bought up by everyone and it wasn't much available but uh whiskey is definitely my go-to drink i like beer too um okay like Allagash and Omagon are probably my favorite breweries. Solid. But um, definitely whiskey. And how do you drink Whiskey's the whiskey? My jam. Usually on the rocks or sometimes with a splash of ginger ale. Oh, so you were tailor made to be on this show. <laughs> yeah, is that is that how you drink your whiskey? <laughs> oh, of course. That's the name of the show. I, I like my whiskey neat, but like MMA neat was kind of a pussy name for a show, so I didn't go with that. Yeah, so. it sounds like you're just calling the sport. Nifty. Yeah, like this is neat, like fighting and punching <laughs> people. It's cool. <laughs> it's neat, guys. No, I'm on the rock. Definitely works better. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've been fighting, training all over the world. What What's the uh, best party scene in the world you've been to? Oh man, That's a tough question. Oh, did I stump you? That I've actually been to. Yeah. Hmm. Man, you know, some of my favorite ones were the... I used to go to all the strike force fights because I lived in the Bay Area. Okay. And I would go to all the strike force fights in San Jose. And I don't know if maybe it was just part of the fact that 
I was younger and the stuff was all like super new and amazing to me. But those those cars, I just I loved them. So was it like the after? Those are probably like the, like. <laughs> so is it the actual scene there in the Bay Area, or is it like the after parties of the actual fighting events that were the most? I mean, fun? I would go to the after parties too, but no, the the events themselves just felt it sounds stupid, but kind of magical. Like really, the whole environment, everyone being so into it, and. You know, that, like, I trained with all these guys that were out there in the cage fighting, but, you know, I was still really, like, this little amateur and new in the sport, figuring all this stuff out. Yeah. Um, and Strike Force always had great cars and great events. Yeah. I think it's awesome to see, you know, the different scenes around the world because I went to UFC in Japan, and it was a totally different experience than going, you know, in New Jersey. I mean, it was yeah. it's both awesome because everybody's there for the same reason, but... You know, there's a... my experience with the UFC cards is I have always liked the international ones I've gone to more than the domestic ones. Yeah, it seems like the crowd is a little more knowledgeable. Like they cheer for things that people in the states wouldn't necessarily cheer for, like a sweep on the ground or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they're a little more respectful and just I don't know. And the events, um, the events seem to be run well over there too. UFC mm -hmm. Hamburg was really fun. Oh, that was a that was an amazing card. I was watching that on my laptop, and I was like jumping up and down on the couch. Yeah, I mean it didn't it didn't hurt that Josh submitted Arlovsky. That's definitely going to make the whole the whole event a little better, obviously. But but yeah. uh, but it was a great event too. Yeah, just for a little background for people listening, you're talking about your other half, of course, Josh Barnett, MMA legend. Yeah, so I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah, you had a vested interest in the outcome of that, but what a what a yeah. fight that was! I mean, so back and oh forth my God, that the first, first round. Thirty seconds, I thought my heart was gonna pop out of my chest. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I'm sitting at home watching it. And I'm I'm like shitting myself. I can't imagine what what you were thinking in that first round. I'm sitting there with his mom, and we're just freaking <laughs> out <laughs> front row, gay side, like oh my God. <laughs> It was absolutely nuts. Because Josh dropped Arlovsky, Arlovsky dropped Josh, and Josh dropped Arlovsky, and like back and forth. I mean, can you guys, can you guys not do this? Oh, <laughs> man. And then the, that takedown reversal with the double wrist lock, that was... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Yep, the tech, textbook. That was, a, that right was a perfect fight. That was just, it had everything you would want to see in a fight. Um, yeah. So, you got a lot of animals in your house. You got uh, like a dog and cats and chickens I, and a... I currently have a seven-week-old kitten attacking my foot as we speak. Oh, okay. And it, yeah, well, she's just being a kitten and going hate shit. How did that come about? Did you adopt her or? I did. So a good friend of mine found these two tiny, tiny little kittens abandoned underneath her motorcycle. But it was oh, as she was leaving to go on a camping trip out of town, so she's like, I don't know what to do. She put them in her bathtub, but then I went over and ended up taking care of them and fostering them and i think they were about four weeks old when we found them just you know you could hold the two of them in the palm of your hand oh wow um and then we were looking for homes to adopt them and just, of course you have kids you're gonna fall in love with them and this one the gray one yeah who we named ducati we named her duke because we found her under a ducati motorcycle <laughs> um got along great with my dog like just super yeah. chill totally cool with the dog so the other one uh a friend adopted and then i kept ducati that's awesome. What's the what's the dynamic like between all those pets? I mean, you got chickens and, and a dog and and all this stuff. Yeah, so the kitten's not old enough to go outside yet. She will once she's you know has all the shots and everything. But right now she has not met the chickens yet. So okay. that introduction has not happened. I'm kind of excited to see how that goes. Yeah. The dog 
kind of tries to hang out with the chickens and will like when I feed them things, he wants to eat with them too. So I have to like give him treats when I give the chickens treats. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they're they're chill. They're all used to each other. And the dog and the cat wrestle, and it's the cutest thing ever. Oh, that's awesome. The dog, he's an eighty. It's an eighty pound dog, and then this, you know, was slightly over a pound kitten. But the dog, he he's really good. He knows how to be gentle with her. But uh. She ends up completely covered in, in, in dog <laughs> slobber when they wrestle. <laughs> That's all. What kind of dog is it? He's a Rhodesian Ridgeback and Pitbull. Oh, okay. So he's a big boy. Yeah, he's about 80 pounds. Oh, okay. So it's good that he's gentle with the tiny cat. I have a dog and a cat, and my cat torments the dog all the time. <laughs> she'll, she'll hide around corners and jump out and scare her. <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of amazing to see because if you, I have a, a little French bulldog. She's like a little stocky, 28 pounds. And if I take her to a dog park, she will not back down to anything. Pit bull, German shepherd. She'll stand her ground and make them back off. But then she gets home and she's terrified of this eight pound cat. That's awesome. Your cat's a baller. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And she's old too. She's like 16. So. Oh, wow. That's really old. Yeah, yeah, my dog's almost 12, so he's getting up there. Oh, yeah, mine too. It's like, it's it's sad to see. I gotta carry around most places. Really? Yeah, because they're the small breeds, like their back legs start to give out. Uh, yeah. I'm lucky. My dog's actually really, really healthy. Like, I still take him trail running, and um, yeah, he's really, he's really healthy and active. So. Yeah, I, I still take my dog everywhere. I have a stroller for her. I'm not embarrassed by it. <laughs> <laughs> you should come to LA with your dog stroller. You sit right in. Yeah, I, I have an attachment. It goes on my bike. I take her I take her biking with me. Oh, she, that's cool. I've decided I want to try and figure out how to bring my cat on a motorcycle. That's, so that's got to happen. That's an interesting problem to have. I wonder well, if they, I just want, I want to. Like, I want to teach her to, to ride on it with me and be comfortable on it. Yeah. So are you an avid motorcycle <laughs> rider? Oh, yeah. I ride all the time. Oh, okay. I have a car, too, but... It's so much easier to get everywhere in LA on a bike. So you're just like all around to do badass things all the time. You're playing with like <laughs> medieval weaponry and riding motorcycles and you fight in a cage. No, I play with I play with kittens and hang out with my chickens. And That's garden. the balance? That's, it. That's how you restore balance yeah. to the universe? Yeah, my, my, my urban homesteading is my balance to all the other badass stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right. Well, I really appreciate you taking time to call into the show, and I definitely wish you all the best of luck in Bellator. I'm really excited and happy for you, and I can't wait to find out who you're fighting in January. Me too. I can't wait either. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, though. It was nice to talk with you. Yeah, likewise. So you're welcome back anytime, of course. I'd love to have you back on again. Usually we drink on this show, so I bend the rules this time, but you know, maybe yeah, next... well, we're going to have to do the call later in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, next time and after the fight, if you want me drinking. Sure. Well, not during fight camp, of course, I couldn't ask that of you, but, uh, you know, when we're, when we're celebrating that victory in, in, uh, January, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sip a little whiskey while we do this. I'm on board with that plan. Awesome. Some, well, some Japanese whiskey seems appropriate. Oh given yeah. That we met in Japan. So is Nika the go-to for the Japanese whiskey? I've done uh Hibiki. I like a lot. I actually, uh, I think I've had Hibiki's that I like more than Nika's that I've had, but both of them are really good. Yeah. You know what I just had, not just, but fairly recently that I'd never had before was a, a Four Roses bourbon, and I am in love with it. It was so good. Oh, yeah? Not Japanese at all. Totally, you know, kind of switching there, but it was just a, it was such a good bourbon. Smooth, Try smoky? It. What's the, what's the palate there? Uh, I, I don't, I don't like super smoky. Okay. 
I don't like I don't like particularly peaty or smoky. Like I hate Laphroaig. Okay, you're opening up so. a whole new can of worms here. We could have a, we could go off on a much longer <laughs> discussion here, <laughs> but I want to be considerate of your time. I hope you uh, enjoy the holidays, even though you're going through a fight camp, obviously, and you're dropping down a weight class, so you, you may not be able to enjoy as much as you like. I'm oh, sure. great! I'll make. I, I love I love cooking, so I'll make a bunch of delicious veggie dishes. Yeah, go like all healthy <laughs> for the Thanksgiving spread. Yep. Awesome. And then watch other people while they eat pie. Oh, that's that's kind of sad. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm like, I'm going to be over here doing push-ups while you guys eat that uh, pumpkin pie. Yeah, cool. everybody else is gorging pie and drinking whiskey. And... <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got a fight coming up. Well, anyway, again, I wish, I wish you the best of luck and happy holidays, and thanks again for calling in. Thank you, Well, Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. All right, so that's it for now from the Thoroughbred. What a fucking warrior. <laughs> I mean, she's fought all over the planet, flying into India for fights, going to school, studying Taekwondo in Korea, uh, fighting in Japan, uh, all over the United States. Uh, you don't get much more badass than that. So definitely appreciate her taking the time to call into the show. And I'm really looking forward to that fight in January. So check that out. If you guys want to show Colleen some love on social media, it's at Colleen Fights. That's C-O-L-L-E-E-N-F-I-G-H-T-S on Instagram and Twitter. And then she has a Facebook fan page as well, just her name, Colleen Schneider. So uh, definitely go look her up. If you want to feel super lazy, like you definitely don't do anything with your life, check out her Instagram because she's always doing something like working out or playing with medieval weapons or, or doing some crazy shit. I know I'm definitely going to check out that Four Roses bourbon. I don't think she would leave me wrong with that recommendation. So I'm going to look into them and then probably feature them on a future episode. In any case, if you guys want to get a hold of me, as always, at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com and leave me a message there. If you're listening anywhere else, uh, you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, any of those podcast apps. And if you're digging it, please leave a review, leave some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking and drinking. And that's all I got for today. So till next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.